Hello, Ecclesia. This is Pastor Sean. And we are in a unique time as a church and as a country, really, as a world. We are in the midst of a global pandemic, which means that we're all finding some new rhythms to our days. And one of the things that we want to help you do is to walk through this season with integrity and grace and fortitude and vulnerability and strength. And so we're going to release a series of podcasts in addition to our normal weekend podcasts that are just designed to help you stay connected to God, to your true self, to the people around you. And we really hope that you will not only enjoy these sessions, but that God will use them to powerfully draw you nearer to him and nearer to one another. So go ahead, give a listen. We love you. God bless. died for days had passed for days had passed and though he'd raise him from the dead the ones he loved and mourned their brother's death their brother is dead oh we walk walk in this life and once in a Things don't turn out Oh, my love And the burdens we bear And the sorrow we share This is like raising us from the dead heart and head he knew but in the moment friends and loved ones there the grief they shared the resurrection and the life the great physician oh but Jesus cried Jesus cried oh we woke life and once in a while things don't turn out oh my love and the burdens we bear and the sorrow we share this is like raising us from the dead the water turn to wine the blind man he give back his sight and even though he'd come back to life the pain of friends was on his mind oh we walk in this life and once in a while things don't turn out oh my burdens we bear and the sorrow we share 
This is like raising us from the dead I'm in the middle of writing a book, a couple of books actually, and my editor just cut a section that I absolutely loved. She cut a riff I wrote about Jesus loving to fish. I don't actually know if Jesus loved to fish, but he spent a lot of time around fishermen, and nothing is more dreary than being around a bunch of people who share a hobby that you don't share. Listening to them talk, all the insider lingo, it has to be awful. So the way I figure it, Jesus didn't just love fishermen. Jesus loved fish, probably. What I love about that image is Jesus doing ordinary things. In the ancient world, if you didn't teach a man to fish, he was going to starve. Since I believe Jesus is Lord, I believe he knows more about fishing than anyone. But since a plurality of his disciples were fishermen, I think Jesus liked fishing too. I love that I can find Jesus in everyday things. The dollar menu, sitting in traffic, waking the kids, making dinner, everyday things. Jesus even talks about life in everyday terms. Read through the teachings of Jesus. He doesn't talk about life with God in lofty, distant, or esoteric language. Jesus never uses the language I learned in seminary. Instead, it's always water, wine, bread, trees, dirt, clay, snakes, and a litter of everyday life. Jesus talks about life with God like it's hidden in sand and rock the bits we pass over never thinking about how they percolate with the flavor of the divine. In the end, you can't help but get the sense that life with God is textured with the everyday. Tish Harrison Warren writes, The Word became flesh. The Word went fishing. The Word slept. The Word woke up this mor with morning breath. The Word brushed his teeth, or at least he would have, if the Word had been a 21st century American instead of a 1st century Judean. Our lives overflow with the everyday. Our bodies, pleasure, fears, failures, friendships, and fights are where God shows up, where God works God's miracles, where Jesus does his work. And right now, I bet the everyday is what's bothering many of us. A few weeks ago, there was no such thing as the world's newest oxymoron, social distancing. Two words slammed together like sardines and peanut butter. Some people like it, but most of us don't or won't after a daily diet of it. But the crazy thing about all this social distancing is that it's given us the very thing we often complain about not having enough of. Time. Time to rest. Time to watch that show we missed. Time to read. Time with our spouse or with our kids. Time to launch that new project. 
A lot of us have been grumbling about not having enough time for a long time. But now, COVID-19, the coronavirus, has given us that which we longed for. Time. So what are you going to do with it? Are you one of those parents Googling daily schedules for their kids? One of those optimistic parents who reminds the rest of us that humankind really is preconditioned to hope more so than reality? Or maybe you're like me, you're a planner, and facing the day without a plan bursts a kind of anxiety and uncertainty in you. However you face today and the coming days of ambiguity, you will have to deal with how you deal with time. You may remember Israel's greatest spiritual leader was a man named Moses. If you know the story of Moses, you know he was raised in Egypt in the house of the Pharaoh, even though he was a Hebrew. But the time came when Moses, who had the best upbringing in the world, the best education in the world, the best everything in the world, couldn't stand by anymore and watch his people, the Hebrews, suffer at the hands of the Egyptians. So in anger one day, Moses kills an Egyptian guard, probably trying to start a slave revolution or do something big and important with his life. But the next thing you know, Moses is on the run for his life. I'm just going to make a long story short. He ends up a part of a shepherding family living out in the middle of the wilderness. And that was his job, to shepherd sheep. For 40 years, Moses tended sheep in the desert. During the day, Moses tended sheep. At night, Moses tended sheep. No calendar, no planner, no watch was needed. Moses could walk outside and see where the sun was and know exactly what he needed to do, where he needed to be, how to do it, because it was the same thing every minute of every day, the same thing every hour for 40 years. This is how he could spend his time, and he had no other choice. Then after 40 years, a burning bush shows up. God plucks Moses out of obscurity and leads God's people out of slavery and shepherds them in the same wilderness for 40 more years. And later in life, Moses sits down and writes one of the most pivotal pieces of literature we have about time. He's been busy. He knows about not having a lot of time. Moses has also been bored. He knows about having too much time. He's been high and he's been low. He's seen it all and he has something to tell us about time. And, and you'll find it in Psalm 90. And Psalm 90 begins this way. Moses says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever, you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. Moses just starts out and says, okay, if you want to understand purpose in life, here's how you need to go about your life. Even though the average person is going to live about 78 years, Moses says the context of life isn't from birth to 78. The context of time is from everlasting to everlasting with God all through the middle. Life is not about your time. Life is about all time. And we need to know this because people who think their life is bookended by 70 or 80 years spend more time wondering about how they can have a comfortable retirement than how they can do things for others and do things that are everlasting. 
it all comes down to career choices and who gets my attention, where I spend my money. We answer those questions with categories we don't even consciously think about because we're worried about 78 or 80 years and not everlasting to everlasting. What can you do? What can I do at this moment in our lives that has a shot at everlasting? Then Moses says, you, God, you turn us back to dust and say, turn back, you mortals. That's like even more good news from Moses. Moses says that in the end, all of us return to dust, no matter how rich you are, how good looking, how successful, how broken. In the end, we all return to dust, which really cuts at a cultural myth that we live with and adore, the myth that we're unique and special in the universe, and we really are to God and to our family and close friends. But most of us have the same kind of existence. Like we're born, we go to school, when we're done with school, we work. After we work for a long time, we retire and go play golf or knit or whatever it is that people do, and then we die. And in the beginning of that is God, and in the end of that is God. Then Moses says in verse 4, 4,000 years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, or like a watch in the night. A thousand years would be like looking back at the Crusades until right now, today. Or a watch in the night, which is like three to four hours. A thousand years to God is like three hours? Now, from God's perspective, how long is your life? Verse 5, Moses says, You sweep them away. They are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed. In the evening it fades and withers. That's how quickly life is, like grass. But let's not miss the point. The point is not that your life doesn't matter. The point is that it does. The point is that your life is so quick that it is futile to try and create something of significance and lasting that's all of your own. You just don't have enough time. You're not smart enough and powerful enough or charismatic enough to do something significant on your own. Your only hope, your only chance to do something significant is to line up your life with what God is doing in the world. And you already know this because you've been around someone who made everything about them and they are not great people to be around. 17 years ago, my wife and I had a good friend who had a baby and she treated her pregnancy, like it was the first one that had ever occurred, and it was insufferable. And babies are beautiful and special. But they're only significant, all of us are only significant in the context of what God is doing. Moses says in verse 10, the days of your life are 70 years or perhaps 80. Even if we are strong, even then their span is only toil and trouble they are soon gone and we fly away. So even at best, you can be wealthy, handsome, popular, whatever it is that you think will be great, you can have all that and be the best. And at 70 or 80 years, it will be trouble and so sorrow. Moses goes on, he says, who considers the power of your anger? Your wrath is as great 
as the fear that is due you. And this is such a complicated text, but I know that you're really, really smart. And this is what Moses means. He means that if we could see God as he actually is, we would give God the reverence that is due him. If we could see God as God really is, we would give him every minute of our 70 years, our 80 years. And the ancients believed that if God revealed his entire self to us, that we'd be blown away. That when God encounters Moses, he can only reveal to him what is later recounted as his backside glory. We can only see the back of God. He is so glorious. And if we could see it, we'd realize that my life is not the point. Your life is not the point. And we'd give all of our time to God. But we can't, and we don't see clearly. So Moses, what should we do about that? Moses says in verse 12, he prays to God. He says, so teach us to number our days that we may gain a wise heart. Teach us to number our days. Why would Moses pray to God to teach us to number our days? Well, because our days are numbered. And that's key. Because time is one of those everyday things. And when you begin to number your days, you start to see what really matters. You start to see who really matters. And maybe that's our task right now. Maybe social distancing is our opportunity to actually draw near, to draw nearer to those people who so desperately need us that God has given to us in this time. Our parents, our grandparents, who we don't connect enough with and talk enough with. Our kids whose needs and desires, their wants, all the things they want to show us and sit down and do with us can become burdensome in the face of all we have to do with work and sitting in traffic. But now we have time. Those meals that we wanted to cook because we wanted to have our family around the table in a particular way, but there was always soccer practice and gymnastics and grabbing something on the go. Well, now, now we have time. That wife, that husband, that you've been needing to reconnect with and have long conversations, to go on long walks with. Now you have the time. Some of the most glorious words in Cramer's Book of Common Prayer are common and plain enough to make me weep. He says, we have left undone those things which we ought to have done. And we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And there is no health in us. Life with God, your life with God, shows up best, most glorious, and most beautifully in everyday things. Maybe this is your chance to redeem the time. One, two, three.
Light to guide.